This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Welcome to Civilized Barking. It's probably Monday morning, maybe later. Either way, I know you didn't sleep if you're listening to this podcast. The Cleveland Browns marched into Heinz Field, shorthanded, craziest week. I don't know. If you start saying crazy superlatives for the Browns, it's hard to say craziest week ever. But anyway, a lot was working against them. Um, The Steelers were able to rest some guys. This was supposed to be the Steelers' last stand. It never started. The Steelers were embarrassing. The Browns pummeled them. The Browns kept pummeling them. Yes, it got hairy. Yes, the Browns' flaws and them being shorthanded showed up. But really, um, I just saw this stat, Jason. For 54 minutes and 46 seconds of the game, the Browns led by two scores, at least. That is I mean, stunning. In an NFL playoff game. So, um, Kevin Stefanski wasn't here. Joel Batonio wasn't here. Denzel Ward wasn't here. Three more assistant coaches. Anyway, um, I, I can only partially – believe what I just saw. The Browns are never holding another practice ever again. <laughs> What's the point? Just show up on Sunday, get dressed, fly the morning of the game if you have to, and get out there and go. No, but Zach, you know, I think you made this famous, and you've said it since we started this podcast, the Browns would be back when, so go ahead, take it home. When they went to Heinz Field and won, and Going on 18 years since the last time they did, the only time they did, and this place opened its gates before 9-11 happened, just the week before 9-11 happened, um, the Browns won in Heinz Field. And so, you know, Jason, I'm not afraid to go big picture right now. Um, You know, obviously these wins when you get late in the year and certainly in the playoffs it's big and and you react and it means this, but like – the Steelers are done. Yeah. Ben, ben can't do it anymore at the level that he used to do it at. They have major cap problems. They have 10 players over 30 years old. Um, this was, as I mentioned, they're supposed to be their last stand. And the Browns, who have played better than the Steelers for a long time now, um, but really in terms of head-to-head didn't have anything to show for it. Right, Even last week it was – it was a preseason game for the Steelers. It was a do-or-die game for the Browns. And then tonight it was over, really on the first play. But throughout it, I mean, an NFL record for 28 points in a first quarter in a playoff game. Ben would set an NFL record with four touchdowns and four interceptions in the same game. Browns would lead 35-7 to <laughs> and then hang on. But they just kept pummeling them. And the running backs pummeled them and even down – a man, the offensive line pummeled them. Um, you know, really strange in terms of the numbers and the flow and how it went. But th- this was this was domination, and the Browns are back, and they buried the Steelers themselves. They kicked their ass on their home field in the playoffs on a Sunday night game. You know, I wrote midweek. If you want, if the Browns want everyone to believe that they're different, go win the game. Go win this game that nobody thinks you can win where you don't have the head coach that everyone, including myself, has been raving about as the NFL coach of the year. He changed the culture, all of that. No offensive line coaches, no offensive linemen to speak of. Uh, win the game. Find a way to win the game. You knew as of Tuesday 
what you were and we're not going to have. That leaves plenty of time in the week to game plan. And people, I, I skimmed through the comments and people were like mad at me. And I, I didn't really understand the reaction. I was like, wait a minute. I'm telling you, you have enough. Go win this game. I, I think we knew all along the Steelers were kind of a paper tiger at 11 and 0. And we saw the way that, that they kind of fizzled down the stretch. It was just a matter of, you know, did the Browns, could, could they pull this off given all of their shorthandedness and limitations, but uh, terrific performance from Baker, terrific performance by this offense. Uh, there was really, you know, Zach, I know you on Twitter were at no point. Did you, I mean, you said it was over when the Steelers punted on fourth down. Yeah. Uh, in Brown's territory, you're like, that's it, game over. And I thought, wow, no, normally you're you're not that bold. That that surprised me that, that you called it as early as you did. And you stuck to it too. Yeah, well, I just I'm I'm watching Ben try to play, quite frankly. Um I'm watching the body language on the Steelers sideline, and it's just not good. And they came alive, they came out of it. But the Browns were so a step ahead. The Browns were more prepared, the Browns were more physical. The Browns were well aware of what their shortcomings were. I mean, I said all week I was scared to death of Chase Claypool, right? Yeah. Well, he ends up getting his numbers and getting two touchdowns, I think, which got somebody paid. But, like, for the first three quarters, where was Chase Claypool? Did you see him on your TV screen at all? No, no. No, no. Um, Speaking of what you wrote earlier in the week, like last Monday Jason and I sat on – Conference calls, guys, the kind that neither of us likes to and the kind that we normally don't, at least in that setting. And we had all these plans for Brown's playoff week. And then COVID hit the next morning. Yep. (laughs) Right? And the week went from, okay, we're going to write this story and this column and focus on this to, oh, my God, I can't believe the Browns have to do – oh, my God, Joel Batonio's out. They really aren't going to have their head coach. Will Denzel Ward be back? Will B.J. Goodson be back? Will Harrison Bryant be back? Ronnie Harrison turns out to be a false positive. Guys get taken down with him. They get reinstated. The team flies to Pittsburgh because the doctors tell them that's safer. The players fly. The coaches drive on their own. Jack Conklin drives on his own because he's dealing with an illness that's not COVID. Like, did not – Tuesday morning, because I remember where I was, is when the Stefanski news broke. I think it was four positives that day, and it was clear they weren't going to have their head coach. The facility was closed until Friday afternoon. So no practice, virtual walkthroughs. Um, At one point, there were eight players on the COVID list. All of them are regulars, not all listed starters. But, like, Kevin Johnson's a starter. He's not a listed starter in the 22. He's a slot corner. Like, Harrison Bryant, maybe he's a listed starter if they list a two-tight end set. The Browns play three and even four tight ends. I mean, their fourth tight end has recovered onside kicks two weeks in a row. Like, MJ Stewart, for nine of the games more than half the year, played two or fewer defensive snaps. He had an interception for the second week in a row. A guy named Michael Dunn, who played one offensive snap all year long, comes in the game, plays for Joel Batonio. They push the freaking Pittsburgh Steelers around. Michael Dunn gets hurt. A guy named Blake Hance comes in. He was signed off the practice squad last week. And after the game, Baker tells the TV crew, yeah, I met him in the locker room before the game. I said, oh, it's some dude named Blake. I said, hey, nice to meet you. I'm Baker. <laughs> I mean, please there's not me. one. Please, please don't get me killed today. Starting with the very first play when Pouncey torpedoes the snap 15 <laughs> yards over. There's not one thing about tonight that you can make up. So it was so surreal, but it was so real. 
There was nothing fluky about it, right? There was really, I mean, the result might have been unpredictable. Um, but you saw the Browns run their offense, right? I'm sure a couple times you yelled at the TV screen, why are they going empty? Why don't they run it? Why don't they do this? Why don't they do that? But, like, except for a seven-minute stretch in the third quarter, again, guys, 54 minutes and 46 seconds, four interceptions of Ben Roethlisberger by four different guys, none of whom were top-line players. So, like, your best players, your running backs who are out of this world, your quarterback, Jarvis Landry, Mr. Reliable, down to MJ Stewart and Blake motherfucking Hans. <laughs> the Browns <laughs> are going to Kansas City. I think I'm just sitting here like listening to this list that you just rattled off. One or two or three of those things would be reason enough to throw your hands up and go, well, they lost because they didn't have their head coach. They lost because the coaches had to drive separate from the players who flew. They lost because uh, they were without Denzel Ward. And yes. it, it, and you combine all of that, and not only did they win, they whipped their ass. I don't care what they the did. final score is. They whipped their ass for uh, four quarters. And, and we appreciate you guys listening and reading, and we tell you that all the time, and we mean it. On the other podcasts that I do, <clears throat> A to Z, we, we talked about how <laughs> we just thought the Browns were out of dudes, right? And, and basically, I'm only paraphrasing a little bit. I said I'm not ruling out Miles Garrett playing huge and Ben Melting. Yeah. I said I'm not ruling out Chubb and Hunt just destroying. Right. I said I'm not ruling out Jarvis going crazy. I just don't see all three of those things happening. <laughs> I was wrong. Yeah. I mean, Miles didn't go nuts, but like Miles changed the game. Um, the Browns getting to Ben and making him throw those brainless interceptions changed the game. Mike Tomlin, the Browns dominated. It was a lopsided game. Mike Tomlin did not have his team ready to play, and Mike Tomlin's game management was so piss poor, so embarrassing. Steelers fans should be livid. It's inexcusable. The one chance, actually two or three times, the Steelers could legitimately get back in the game because that's what a mismatch their receiving core was against what's left of the Browns' secondary, and Mike Tomlin's game management screwed them. Yeah, so I'm you, glad you get a little bit lucky. You get a little bit, you know, you do some good things. Your best players absolutely step up. And you keep it rolling, and, and, and quite honestly, like, play-by-play, play, Baker's not going to grade an A-plus. Did Baker Mayfield play an excellent football game? He sure did. I'm glad you mentioned the Tomlin thing. The Steelers look like the team that had no practice time and no no time together in their facility this week. It, it was, a, you know, we already talked about the, the first punt, what was it, the first quarter from Brown's territory. And, and then to go for two, miss it, and then kick the extra point in the next score, that didn't make any sense to me. Wouldn't you then go for two again the second time? And then they had another punt. It, w- it was like normally the Steelers are very on point with all that stuff. And it just it was a very un Steelers like effort on the field and on the sidelines. Yeah, it, it really was. Um, you know, again, I started on this before, but as you guys know, if you're listening before I ramble and I trail off, like normally Jason, I'd be the first one to say win or lose. Like, let's not do hyperbole, let's not bury, let's not crown. Right. Right. Let, let's put this for what it was. But everything was at stake for both teams. And the Browns dominated it. Right. The, the Steelers know what's ahead um, with their shaky offensive, aging offensive line. You know, with the age of players starting with Ben, 
with the fact that their coaching staff just got schooled and it's time for a change because, you know, the Browns have had no continuity. The Steelers have maybe had a little too much. Juju's going to be a free agent. You know, he, he can still go. He showed that tonight. They got younger, cheaper guys, right, and they got major cap problems. Like, all of it was set for them to come out, score 40 tonight, win, and see what they can do. They scored 37 and they got blown off the field. And they only scored 37 because the Browns were giving it to them late. They wouldn't have had that. Yeah, and, and honestly, they're like, what are you supposed to do, right? So, right. so so, you nitpick. Like, you pay Austin Hooper too much. He's got to catch all those balls. And he caught a touchdown. He caught a bunch of them. He's got to catch those. The defense, you played too soft, but you're out of dudes. And you lost Jack Conklin to a hammy. I mean, he's a super important player. He was second-team All-Pro. He's you know, makes $20 million for a reason and part of this offensive line. But, again, the Michael Dunn's. And MJ Stewart's, and really Donovan Peoples Jones, who the first three times he made plays this year was all an emergency, all, all as a sub. Rashard Higgins, who couldn't get a helmet in October, right? Baker threw to him about eleven times tonight. And then it's the usuals; it's the running backs making plays. That guy Spillane, who's a really nice story and a really nice player, hit Kareem Hunt at the four yard line, and Kareem Hunt put his ass three yards deep into the end zone. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Yep. Kareem was Kareem was running hard yes. tonight. I mean, he always runs hard. You know what but we're going to talk about it, this week, Jason? Kareem, Kareem Hunt going Chiefs. back to KC and John Dorsey. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. 100%. 100%. And, you know, just think about this for a minute. I almost got – I almost fell for the bait, and I almost went down the Chiefs rabbit hole with Kareem. But I'm going to catch myself and pull myself back because there's still too much to, to talk about with this. The Browns may have ended Ben Roethlisberger's career tonight. Fair? Say, say that again. Somebody in the other booth just crashed in here. I'm sorry. I, I lost you for a second. I said the Browns may have ended Ben Roethlisberger's career tonight. Yeah, really no, I feel like it's over. And, and he, he's supposed to make $40 million next year, and he's probably not going to walk away from that. That but what ain't I, happening. What I saw tonight was over. Over. Like, And I know he came back and, and pushed the ball down the field, but like – Threw for 500 yards. Yeah. I couldn't believe it when I saw that. Like that, that did not feel like a 500-yard performance to me. Yeah, the total was 283, um, which seemed like stealing, but nobody thought 500. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I think they did. And, and, you know, everybody knows we've written about it, joked about it, we've cried about it. Until this year, Ben Roethlisberger was the winningest starting quarterback in First Energy Stadium. Possibly the saddest stat <laughs> in the history of professional sports. And tonight, Baker, you know, it's it's that, that part's over. Yeah, that, that, that part's over. So the Steelers are still the Steelers, right? They've gone through this before. Um, they still got wildly talented young receivers and young defensive players. Um. And frankly, through the Tomlin era, resilience has been, you know, one of their things. But the constant has been been that offense getting them there as as they've bobbed and weaved and had to do things. And I just I just give Tomlin a big fat F. He deserves every bit of scorn that he gets. And I just see a guy in Ben that can't do it anymore. Not at the level that he once did or needs to for this team to be where it was. And and again, you want to say changing of the guard? I absolutely say fair. Sounds right to me.
And the other constant that the Steelers have been able to rely on is only one competent team in their division that they have to worry about. <laughs> and that's no, and that's no longer the case. Uh, Pittsburgh is no better than the third best team going forward. Yeah. So I've just brought up when I wrote about Baker this week, right? Um, the Browns are kind of the party crashers and the party will really rev up if Mayfield beats Roethlisberger. Gosh, that's a good line. I didn't even remember writing that. Um, <laughs> To continue reading, Mayfield has two wins and five tries against the Steelers, but Roethlisberger didn't play in either. Not that this is a one-on-one matchup, obviously, but let's not downplay the magnitude of this game. Can you imagine the feeling among Cleveland fans if Mayfield can beat the guy the Browns didn't draft when Mayfield was still in elementary school? And then this part. In five previous Mayfield starts against the Steelers, last week's 24 points are the most the Browns have scored. It's going to take at least that many given Cleveland's defensive questions. Well, the Browns had 28 in the first quarter. And yes, I know the defense did it. And yes, I know that all the weird circumstances. But man, have that coach and that quarterback been dialed in on those early scripts. And did you see any hesitation from that Browns offense early? None. None. Zero. And and, and really, you know, one Baker run on third down comes to mind where he takes a big hit. I think that was back in the first half. A couple other third down completions come to mind. But think about how hard it is on him. You know, you finally, early in the third quarter, they punt, right? And it's like, well, that that's not supposed to happen. We're supposed to win this game by 80. Well, that's not reality. But the other part is the balance of we're trying to kill clock. We're trying to take on this defense that's done all these things for, for decades, right? But yet we're, we're in this awkward spot. Like, again, I, I just thought Baker Mayfield delivered an absolutely A performance tonight in almost everyone on that Browns offense did. Well, probably hell everyone did, right? Um, even hinting not seems stupid right now, even though it's late enough that I'm losing what's left of my mind. But <laughs> you're probably going to need to score in the 40s again next week, and why couldn't they do it? I I said all uh, – right, two things I said all along. One, the Browns are back when they win in Hines. And two, when they get in the playoffs, I won't be surprised if they drop the elbow on somebody, and I won't be surprised if they give up 40. Well, tonight they did both. <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing, you know, let's go and talk Chiefs for a second. Regardless of who it is, for a team to beat Kansas City, you got to score. score. Like you're not going to you're, you're not going to stop them. You have got to score. You got you have to be a team capable of scoring 40 points. The Browns are that team. I'm not going to sit here tonight and get caught up in it all and say the Browns are going to beat the Chiefs. I'm just telling you, no team is going to beat them that cannot score and the Browns can score. So they, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna believe anyone who says they can't win that game, because they can. They have the firepower to stay in that game and win that game. Will they? Man, I have no idea. I'm not gonna go that far right now. I just know that they, they are the team built the right way to hang with Kansas City. No, they absolutely are. They're gonna have the two best running backs in that game, as they usually do, right? And so, score a little bit, manage it a little bit, let those guys eat. You have to keep. Mahomes on the sideline. You have to, right? Yeah. It doesn't mean it has to be 12. Like like the big drive tonight after Tomlin punts only took 220, but it was six plays, 80 yards. It was a statement. Like yeah. you have to get sevens, right? And, and you, you have to stay on the attack. Like, yes, it's nice to take time. And no, you're not going to score every time. But the moment – you have that 15-yard play or that 27-yard play that puts you in the red zone or within sniffing distance of the red zone, you have to think about seven points. And, you know, if it takes you four more plays and two more minutes off the clock, that's great. 
But yeah, you you have to. More important than prolonging drives is finishing them. And seven, not three. Yeah, seven, not three. And, and variety in what you're doing. And all year long, right, Hunt is the screen back. Hunt is the passing back. Chubb's between the tackles. Well, tonight, Hunt is running through people, and Chubb's catching passes and turning turning up the sideline, running across the field, running like he's a, th- a third down back who's 185 pounds. He's 230 fucking pounds, right? Like, yep, yep. he's – so I, I can think of a couple times tonight the acceleration mixed with a change of pace or, or a little shoulder, a little duck move, whatever you want to say, and you're like, that's that's just not human. And, yes, the Steelers got him a couple times for zero-yard gains or a two-yard loss. And, no, the Browns didn't give it to him 35 times like the last time they did when they won in here, which was also on a Sunday night and William Green ran 30-some times for an average of like 3.6 per carry, but it was enough. Like Nick Chubb is so dynamic. And tonight Kareem Hunt played his best game. And don't you think Kareem Hunt's going to play his best game next week when he goes back to Kansas City? Yeah, he's motivated. He didn't really want to spend a whole lot of time talking about it tonight after the game, but obviously he's going to be motivated for that one. And I hesitate. I I still feel gross about the conditions that brought him to Cleveland. I'm not going to sit here and call this his – redemption or anything like that that's just let's just call it what it is he's playing against his old team it ended badly it ended for bad reasons and i'm fine just leaving it at that and if this gives him extra motivation for this game then i guess that's better for the browns can i call Um, it something else it is too yeah go for so many years of the browns reinventing the wheel and telling us they got it right and never doing anything right like john dorsey's goal was to go get good players put them together yep Yep. And, and you know what I immediately thought about tonight when I started, when I was watching Kareem Hunt running the way he was running, I realized that the Browns were headed to Kansas City. When you wrote back in the offseason about that traffic stop and yeah. what Kareem Hunt said, I'm supposed to be in the Super Bowl right now. Instead, he's pulled over on I-90 on Wednesday afternoon. He's in the back of a police car. Right. And, again, he he's not the conquering hero here. Right. Um, you're allowed to feel – Dirty about everything, including the Browns signing him. But guess what? Someone was giving him a second chance. And by all accounts, you haven't heard a thing in a long time about Kareem Hunt. Since that day, matter of fact. Right? Yeah. Um, And and I I said all along, just because they signed him doesn't mean he's ever going to see the field. Um, And and he has, you know, with, with a couple of whispers here and there, Obviously, with that one traffic stop, for the most part, he's kept himself clean. He's kept he stayed out of trouble. And uh, again, I, I find it really hard to call it a redemption tour. I do think people are entitled to second chances. Um, it just didn't feel like enough time had passed for me. I just I really didn't like a lot of how it went down. But he's here now. He's obviously a huge piece to this. He, he's a big factor in where they're at. And he's going to be extremely motivated going back to Arrowhead next week. Yeah. But how, um, how are we 24 minutes into this and we haven't talked about Mike Prefer and Alex Van Pelt and the job <laughs> that got, those guys have done? I mean, you know, so here's a little – little. I, I didn't realize this, and, and I, you know, covered the NBA for all those years. John Krasinski, our buddy in Minnesota, who does a phenomenal job covering Minnesota sports for the Athletic, texted me during the game and said Prefer is a huge Cleveland sports fan. I mean, And he kind of alluded to that tonight post game about being a Cleveland fan and all. 
but he used to attend all of the Cavs Wolves games in Minnesota. Whenever the Cavs were in town, Prefer was in the stands. He was, he was always at the games. So imagine what this moment is for him. Uh, and again, you can throw, you can lump Kareem Hunt in there again as being a Cleveland guy and what this means to him. But the job that Mike Prefer did running the show, and I know a lot of people felt like, well, why would you have a special teams coach in charge? Well, I, you know, he's highly respected to begin with. Special teams coaches can make great head coaches. Ask John Harbaugh. It doesn't take away from, you know, from other guys who, who have other duties. He, he would seem like a logical choice from that aspect. And Alex Van Pelt didn't miss a beat in the play calling tonight. You know, I tweeted half jokingly, half serious, that the Browns' second string play caller is better than most of their starters over the last 20 years at the job. Uh, I just thought both guys. There were times where I got annoyed with a couple things. You kind of alluded to it earlier. I thought, man, why aren't they running it more here or whatever? But by and large, it's just a fantastic job for Mike Prefer and Alex Van Pelt. Well, the number one goal of coaching is to outcoach the guys on the other side. They did that, right? Um, beyond that, you know, have your guys ready. Make them believe. The Browns obviously showed up believing, right? Yep. Um, make adjustments on the fly to the game. Obviously, nobody foresaw these circumstances uh, by, by any means, and they did it. And what Kevin Stefanski is telling Mike Prefer right now is thank you. I love you. I trusted you all the way. And yep. never, ever again will you get a replay challenge flag. Never, ever, ever. <laughs> <laughs> it was right in yeah. front of you, Mike. Are you blind? <laughs> it's funny but, because I saw you tweet that. And so I, th- so I watched the replay because I'm home and you're at the game. And you tweeted that, you know, the play happened right in front of Prefer. Yeah. He threw the flag right away. So I'm anxiously anticipating this replay, and I watch the replay. I'm like, what the hell is he looking at, man? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm the same way. So the Browns sideline was opposite where I was, and the receiver's back was kind of towards us. So it didn't look like a catch to me in in real motion, but, I, you know, I didn't know. And I was convinced that it wasn't because he threw that thing so quick. Like, I started scanning over there, and I saw Alex Van Pelt because he's a bigger guy. Well, prefer he's not a small guy, but on an NFL sideline – if you're an average or even above average person, you blend in, right? Yeah. So I see Alex, and he throws his hands up, and I look to the right, and as I look to the right from the left, I see the red challenge flag. And, and all of this was in way less time than it took me to just explain what happened there. Yeah. So, yeah. But, I mean, think about it, Jason. Like, Bill Callahan has been instrumental, right, in getting this team getting this offensive line going, and we know what the offensive line has meant to the team. So he's missed two games. Teller was coming off missing three games, and you go into this week without your head coach, without your assistant offensive line coach, Scott Peters, and without Callahan again, and without Joel Batonio, and they deliver that performance. Unbelievable. And they ran it right behind Michael Dunn on a couple of those plays. It is, it is Sunday of wild card weekend. With the way the calendar fell last year, this was divisional round weekend. The Vikings lost on Saturday afternoon in Santa Clara, California. The Browns hired Stefanski the next day at noon. And almost a year to the day that Kevin Stefanski was hired, I'll add this. It was 1,102 days ago that Browns fans circled the stadium and held a parade for going 0-16. And now they've beaten their biggest rival in Pittsburgh against the quarterback who tormented them their entire career. If that's not a way to end this, nothing else is. That was the perfect way 
it was a perfect exorcism for for all that has gone on for the last 25 years for zach this is jason hang with us we'll be back with another civilized parking episode later in the week previewing the chiefs thanks for listening